If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to uh, 2 Kings, and uh, we're going to read a bit of Scripture, but that's okay, all right? 2 Kings chapter 2, and uh, verse 8, just keep on playing a little bit. 2 Kings 2, verse 8. Now Elijah took his mantle, took his what? Took his what? His mantle, rolled it up and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was that when they crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elijah said, please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And so he said, You know what, Elisha? You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened. Hallelujah. Bump your neighbor and say, it's going to happen. Look at somebody and tell them, it's going to happen. Whatever God promised, it's going to happen. Whatever God promised, it's going to happen. Whatever God said, it's going to happen. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen and its horsemen. And uh, he saw him no more. And the Bible says he took all of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the river, by the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elijah crossed over. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, once again, what a privilege, what an honor it is to be able to magnify you, to bless you, to honor you, to worship you. I want to thank you this morning that your word comes as freshly baked bread from heaven that we would be satisfied this morning, that we would be filled with your words. I want to thank you this morning that your word has the power to do anything that is needed in our lives. And today, Lord, here in the Family Life Center, up in the conference center, even in every home, we're taking the limits off you And we're going to allow the Word of God to overwhelm us. We're going to be fed by the Word, Lord. We're hungry for Your Word. We're thirsty for Your Word. We're hungry this morning that Your Word would become a revelation to us. That out of that revelation, we would enjoy the blessings of God. That out of that revelation, we would walk in the victory of God, in the triumph um, of God, that you have not called us to be failures. You have not called us, God, in this day and age, in the middle of this pandemic, to be 
riddled with fear, but on the contrary, you've called us to be bold, overcomers, victorious, triumphant. And I thank you that your word comes to us today and changes us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen and amen. My sermon title is Pick Up Your Mantle. I want you to turn around to somebody and tell them, pick up your mantle. Pick up your mantle. Look at somebody and tell them, are you ready today to pick up your mantle? Are you ready? Are you ready to pick up your mantle? Now look at somebody else and tell them, what's stopping you from picking up your mantle? What's stopping you? Come on, what's stopping you? I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too white. I'm too black. What's stopping you from picking up your mantle? Hallelujah, because we all got a mantle to pick up. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. And I'm not talking about a cape, you know, like a Superman cape or whatever it is. But I want to talk to you a little bit about picking up your mantle. It's an interesting story as we read this in 2 Kings chapter 2. And of course, it's a conversation between Elijah and Elisha and about the transferring and the picking up of a mantle. And when you look at 1 Kings and 2 Kings, it really is the record of the history of the nation of Israel from Solomon's time to when the kingdom was actually divided. That's this time period. 1 Kings and 2 Kings really speaks about the history of Israel from Solomon's time to when the kingdom was divided. And... Uh, uh, the kingdom was divided, and I've got some maps up there that you can have a look. There was the northern kingdom, and in the northern kingdom of the, tw of the 12 tribes, 10 of the 12 tribes were in the northern kingdom, and in the southern kingdom, two of the 12 tribes were down there. It was the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah. The southern kingdom was called Judah, and the northern kingdom was called Israel. But there was a division, and that division came as a result of Israel being held in captivity by the Assyrians and then by the Babylonians. And this is what brought the division in Israel. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, southern kingdom had two of the 12 tribes. The northern kingdom had 10 of the 12 tribes. And uh, during this time, the southern kingdom of Judah was ruled by fairly good kings. They were fairly good guys, not too bad. You know, they did what was right in the sight of God. But the northern kingdom of Israel, boy, they, they were a bunch of heathens, man. That was ruled by a bunch of really wicked people, evil kings that didn't do right in the sight of God. For example, you think about King Ahab and his famous wife called Jezebel. All right, and that gives you kind of an idea of all of the kings that came had a similar trait, but they did wickedly. They were evil, all right? And in the midst of this uh, degenerate and idolatrous kingdom, which was really ruled by vicious and degenerate kings, the Lord calls two people, one the successor of the other, which was Elijah and Elisha, and these two stood in the midst of this wicked generation as the voice of God and representing the Word of God. And so we see that Elijah and Elisha served 
in this northern kingdom where there was a lot of evil and there was a lot of wickedness, all right? Now, just prior to 2 Kings chapter 2, you remember that Elijah had had that massive confrontation on Mount Carmel where he challenged all the prophets of Baal. And uh, there was, he had called a three and a half year drought and there was a famine and drought and he challenged the prophets of Baal. He said, you get your sacrifice ready. I'll get my sacrifice ready. Then you call on your God and see if he answers by fire. Then I'll call on my God and whichever God calls by f- or answers by fire, that will be the true God. Remember that? And so he said, you go ahead, guys. You, you, go, you go ahead. I see you're ready. You go ahead. And they danced. And they, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. And they danced and danced and cut themselves. And Elijah said, well, maybe you need to sing a little bit louder. Your God can't hear you. And they danced and clapped and did whatever. He said, well, maybe, maybe he's sleeping. Can you wake him up? In one of the translations, it actually says, maybe he's on the on the, on the loo. Maybe he's busy on the loo. He's on the loo. <laughs> and eventually they couldn't, this God wouldn't answer. And what did Elijah do? He takes a whole bucket full of water three times and he fills that whole altar and that whole trough with water. And then he, he says, God, come on, show yourself. Show your might. Show your power. And the fire of God came, and that day, 450 prophets of Baal were slain. I mean, that was a victorious moment. And then what happens is that not King Ahab, but Jezebel gets to hear it, and she says a word, and Elijah runs for his life. I mean, you talk about the power of a woman, the influence of a woman. He runs for his life. I mean, God has just given him this phenomenal victory on Mount Carmel, And uh, 450 prophets, Baal, Jezebel says, God help you, Elijah, what you did to my prophet, I'm going to do to you. And with that, his tail is between his legs and he runs for his life. And he's afraid. He says, God, you know what? There's only me left. There's only me left and I'm the only one that's doing right and everybody else is doing wrong and there's only me and maybe I just need to die and woe is me and feeling sorry for himself. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11, uh, he has an encounter with God. And God says, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And then it's interesting what Elijah does in verse 13. And so it was that when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. In his what? In his mantle. And went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. You know, great am I because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, killed your prophets, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And here's what the Lord said to him. Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint 
Haziel as king over Syria, and you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. That's the northern kingdom. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Whoa. I mean, that's, that's basically, you are retrenched. You are basically fired. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Azel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. And so verse 19 goes on and says that he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. And then Elijah passed by him and threw his, what? Threw his what? Threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? And so Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. There's a lot here about mantles, and in this week and next week, we're going to be talking about picking up your mantle, and there's some exciting things that we can see from this mantle series. But really, the word mantle in the Hebrew has a significant meaning. This is what it means. It's in your notes, by the way. The sermon app, the sermon outline is there. You can just follow with us. But that word mantle means majestic. It means superior. Not that you look down on people, but when you wear that mantle that God has called you to wear, all right, there is, there is a superiority, not, not because you're better than anybody else. It's, uh, it also means glorious. It means powerful. It means mighty. It means magnificent. And when we look in Scripture, the, the word mantle, it's symbolical of several things. And we're just going to look at a few of these. Again, these are in your notes. Number one, the mantle, the word mantle, is symbolic of, of the power and anointing that was upon the prophet or upon that person simply because at that moment in time, the Holy Spirit was upon him. The word mantle is symbolical also, number two, of the authority. Say authority. Say it again, authority. That was upon that person, whether they were king, whether they were priest, whether they were prophet. Number three, it was symbolical also of the spirit of grace. Now, as I'm saying this to you, we're talking about the Old Testament, but that there is a a, a, a connection to New Testament. And even though we're not talking about a physical mantle this morning, we're talking about carrying a spiritual mantle. This relates to you and I. There's a power and an anointing when you pick up that mantle. There is an authority when you pick up the mantle that God has for you. There is a spirit of grace that comes upon you that enables you to do what God has called you to do without losing the joy of the Lord, without losing your mind, without having a nervous breakdown. That's what grace does. Grace is the great enabler. Look at your neighbor and tell them, thank God for the spirit of grace. Number four, that mantle also 
spoke of an unwavering and steadfast commitment to what, pastor? To the call and purpose of God upon that life that came with tremendous sacrifice. If you think about Elisha, here he is plowing in that field with 12 yoke of oxen. That tells me that he came from a pretty wealthy family. He came from a pretty wealthy background. He wasn't poor. He was pretty wealthy. And when the call of God came, he had to leave all of that wealth, as it were, and follow and become the servant of Elijah. Hello, anybody in this place? Amen. So it speaks of the unwavering and steadfast commitment. Hallelujah. Number five, remember when he was running for his life and God began to speak to him, what did he do? He wrapped his face up in that mantle because the mantle also is symbolical of your and my ability to hear the voice of God and then to do what that voice has commanded you to do, to do what he's bid you to do. It's one thing hearing the voice, but will you do what the voice tells you to do? Can I get an amen? Number six, what else is it symbolical of? It's symbolical of the call and separation. How many of you know that when you were born again, the, the word ecclesia means called out once. God called you from the system of this world, from the dominion of this world. He called you out and you have been called out and you are the separated ones of God that carry the mandate of God that carry the mantle of God to fulfill the mandate of God. It's the call. It's the separation. But pastor, God hasn't called me to full-time ministry. Nobody's talking about full-time ministry. Everybody really is in the work of the ministry. The moment you're born again, we're all in the ministry. Can I get a better amen than that this morning? Hallelujah. Number seven, the mantle was also symbolical of a new boldness. I feel like a, a mantle of boldness is falling on some of you this morning because you've allowed COVID to compress you, depress you, suppress you, oppress you, every other oppression, whatever. Come on, let that mantle come upon you so that there is a boldness that causes you to rise above the depression and the bleakness and darkness of COVID-19. I'm not saying that COVID-19 is not real. It's real. It's real. People are dying, and we sympathize with that. But don't let that dampen your spirit. Don't let that suck the boldness out of you as a child of God, as a man of God, as a woman of God. Can I get an amen? I'm just getting excited this morning. Hallelujah. So it speaks about the boldness, that mantle coming upon you, you walking in a fresh anointing and a fresh boldness, hallelujah, to fulfill the will of God in your life. Come on, hallelujah. Number eight, what else? That mantle, that mantle is symbolical. It's a mark to do something great and mighty. 
Come on, family of God, I'm here to tell you, God didn't call you just to do the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old, same old, same old. He's anointed you, put a spirit on the inside of you, shed his royal sinless blood for you and me, that we might do something great and mighty for him. Great and mighty for him, not for you. Great and mighty for him, hallelujah. But when you are dead and gone, there is a legacy that you have left. Why? Because you did something great and mighty. You picked up the mantle. You walked in a new anointing, a fresh boldness, a new boldness. And God enabled you through the spirit of grace to do something great and mighty for him. You better believe that this morning. You, weren't mar- you were not marked for mediocrity. You've heard me say that before. The cross isn't for standard, average, average, average. No, no, no. The cross is for above average. That's why the mantle means superior, not average, not mediocre. Hallelujah. Come on now. I can feel the resistance coming against me. Don't let culture determine mediocrity. Who cares what culture you are? You're a child of God. You have kingdom culture. Hallelujah. You you have all of heaven at your disposal. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost working on your behalf. How could you ever dream of the fact that you were made for average or substandard? Bump your neighbor and tell them, don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for substandard. I don't care what the circumstances say. I don't care what the rand dollar is doing. I don't care what the economy is doing. I don't care what the marketplace is doing. I don't care what COVID-19 is doing. I'm interested in what the Word says about me. I'm interested in what heaven is doing. I'm interested in what the Holy Ghost is doing. I'm interested in, 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 in what heaven has got to do for me. And heaven has called you to do something great and mighty. That's symbolical of the mantle. Can I get a better amen? Here's what I want to tell you this morning. We all of us have a mantle tailor-made just for us. Brother Chris, you have a mantle tailor-made just for you. It's your size, your shoulder width, your length. Sister Cookie, you have a mantle just for you this morning. Hallelujah. Every one of you as a child of God has a mantle tailor-made just for you. Lift your hands and say, I am a child of God, and God has a mantle that's tailor-made. Tailor-made. I got my own tailor. You got your own tailor. Tailor-made just for me. Brother Durham, I didn't know you had your own tailor. Wonderful. You got your own tailor. Tailor-made mantle. Tailor-made mantle. Hallelujah. I need you to believe that this morning. Oh, pastor, well, that's for you. That's for, you know, people that have been saved for a thousand years. I don't know where those people are a thousand years, but anyways. And they got Bible school and everything else behind you. No, that's for every child of God. A mantle tailor-made for you. Would you bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, I think he's talking to you. God has a mantle tailor-made 
Just for you. Just for you. Hallelujah. In the conference center, I'm talking to you as well. Tailor made just for you. And that mantle matches your gifting, your calling, your personality, your God-given abilities. Hallelujah. Do you know that it's important for you to know that God has gifted you to do what he has called you to do? And what he has called you to do, he has gifted you to do. Say this after me. God has gifted me to do what he's called me to do. And he has called me to do what he has gifted me to do. Hallelujah. That brings me to my next slide. God has gifted us to do what he has called us to do. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And one of the ways in which you can recognize God's call, God's plan, God's will, God's purpose for your life is just have a look at what your giftings are. My giftings are not your giftings. Your giftings are not my giftings. But all of us are gifted. And when we look at our gifting, it gives us an idea of what God has called us to do. Say this after me. God has gifted me to do what he's called me to do. And he has called me to do what he has gifted me to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you getting it this morning? But every one of us has a mantle that is tailor-made to fit around our life, our marriages. Your ministry is not, you know, your family is there and your ministry is here. Your ministry is part of the family. If you can't sort your marriage out, actually, what ministry do you have? What ministry? What ministry do you have? People are so gung-ho about ministry that the marriages are left derelict. People that were married are now divorced and separated. Why? Because they're making ministry a big deal. Your ministry and your marriage. The mantle is supposed to fit around your children, around the fact that you're a husband still, around the fact that you're a wife still, around the fact that you're a mother still, around the fact that you're a business person still. Hallelujah. And you know what? You can either believe it or you don't have to believe it. You can either accept the fact that you have this tailor-made mantle and you can embrace it and you can wear it or you can simply reject it. In other words, what I'm telling you this morning is that we have the choice to either pick up our mantle and to wear it and do what God has called us to do or to completely reject it. The choice is ours. Choice is yours this morning. But one thing is for sure, without the mantle, we will not fulfill God's purposes for our lives. That's for sure. Absolutely, for sure. For sure. Otherwise, we may as well throw the Bible away and everybody go and live our own lives, get highly educated, get highly rich, because it's the, it's the richness that will cause you to fulfill the, the purposes of God. It's the education that will cause you to fulfill the will of God. No, it's the mantle on your life, wearing, picking it up and wearing it. 
that will enable you to fulfill the purposes of God for your life. Hallelujah! Because it's that mantle that represents the anointing upon your life to do what God has called you to do. And the Holy Ghost has asked me to ask you this morning, will you pick up your mantle? Will you pick up your mantle? Look at something. Will you pick up your mantle? I think he's talking to you. He's not talking to me. He's talking to you. Come on, up there in the conference center, look at somebody and say to them, will you pick up your mantle? Turn around. Say somebody, something. When I'm uh, going out, you might say, ah, whatever. Will you pick up your mantle? Hallelujah. Now, I know that a lot has happened. We're in the middle of this or towards the end of COVID. Who would have ever imagined this year, 2020? I, I, I certainly wouldn't have. Never imagined. Recession. Bleakness on the horizon. Suicide is up. Hopelessness all time up. Debts are up. Divorces are up. Uh, corruption is up. Poverty is up. Crime is up. It's a bleak picture when you really think about it. And in the natural, it would cause you and I to lose all sense of hope. In the natural, it's impossible to see the light at the end of the tunnel. In the natural. But on the flip side, hallelujah. I'm so glad we're living on the flip side. I'm so glad we have a choice. We can walk in the flesh. We are flesh people. We're not ghosts. We're flesh. I've got to eat. I've got to wash my feet because they stink. I've got to brush my teeth in the morning because when you put your hand in front of your mouth, I don't know what happens in the middle of the night. Something happens in the middle of the night. You go to sleep and your breath is fresh. You wake up in the morning and mm, something died in your mouth. But that's the natural part of us. But I'm so glad we can flip the switch and move into the supernatural, the realm of the spirit, the realm where God lives, and we can see through the eyes of God. Hallelujah. And if you look with the eyes of faith that's empowered by the fire of the Holy Ghost, Hallelujah. It's he that helps you to see that what is impossible with man is possible with God. And that all of this is actually a God thing. All of this is a God thing. When you work your faith and you allow God's word to renew your mind and you, and you allow that renewed mind to rule your heart, you realize that there is no better time to be living than right now. No better time like right now to see and recognize that God has a mantle just for you. And there's no better time right now than to pick up your mantle and do what God has called you to do. Oh, but I hear people saying, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the pressure I'm in, Pastor. You don't know the battles I'm facing, Pastor. You don't know the uncertainty. I don't know if I still have a job. And I want to say to you, friend, you don't know the tailor-made mantle that God has just for you. Hallelujah. God would never bring you up to this point in time just to abandon you and cause you to fall by the wayside. That would make him a cruel and vicious and wicked God who loves to see his people suffering and groping around in darkness, misery, and despair. But I'm here to tell you, family, through the media, through social media, through all the different platforms, that we, that's not the God that we serve. That's not the God that we serve. When Jesus came to this earth, he lived and walked as a man. 
He was the son of a carpenter. Hallelujah. And as the son of a carpenter, Jesus was mentored and taught by his father until he too became a carpenter. But that was not his calling. His calling began when he walked along the shores of the river Jordan and came to be baptized by John the Baptist. Hallelujah. And the Bible says the heavens opened and a voice spoke out and then the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove descended out of heaven upon him. That was the beginning of the falling of the mantle even though it wasn't a physical mantle as such. He was baptized in the Holy Ghost and led by the Spirit into the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights whereupon he was challenged and tempted, as you know, three times. Jesus had to pick up his mantle and wear it if he was to come out of the wilderness triumphant and in victory. And thank God he did. What God has called you to do, you will never be able to accomplish in your own power and in your own strength. That's why we need to pick up our mantles. That's why we need to pick up our mantles some of you trying to do it in your own strength and your own might, but you cannot. You can try, but you know what? You'll always be lacking. You always will be unsatisfied, unfulfilled, always striving and never amounting to anything. But I'm here to tell you that God has a mantle for you, an anointing and a power and a grace. And it's that grace that keeps you smiling full of the joy of the Lord. Come on, why? Because of that mantle. Elijah was running for his life after Mount Carmel. 450 of the prophets challenged, defeated. But the Bible says he had to wrap himself up in his mantle. Hallelujah. He, he was going out of his mind. He was ready for a nervous breakdown. The mantle just brought a, a fresh boldness, a fresh authority. A spirit of grace came upon him. Hallelujah. I feel the spirit of grace coming upon some of you this morning. A sense of renewing coming upon you, a freshness coming upon you, a zeal for God like you've never had before. When Jesus came out of the wilderness, the first place he headed to was the church, the synagogue opened up the scroll in the book of Isaiah. And Luke 4, 18 tells us, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's like saying, the mantle has fallen upon me. I've picked up the mantle and I'm here to wear the mantle. And because I've picked up the, wen the mantle, I am anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Hey, I'm here because of my mantle to heal the brokenhearted, because of my mantle to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight. I'm here to tell you if Jesus needed to pick up his mantle so that he could do what the Father had sent him to do, then what makes you and I think we don't have to do the same? Every miracle Jesus did, he did because he chose to pick up and wear his mantle. Hallelujah. You've heard me say before, he didn't do the miracles as the Son of God. He was and is and will always be the Son of God. If He did miracles as a Son of God, that would, that would disqualify you and I from doing miracles because I'm not the Son of God. Every miracle He did as the Son of Man, 
And he was reliant on that mantle. He was reliant on that anointing. It's the reason why he said in John 14, verse 12, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the words that I, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Why? Because I go to my Father. Jesus did every miracle as the Son of Man. And as the Son of Man, he needed his mantle. Hallelujah. Spiritually speaking, Jesus wore his mantle to carry out the will of the Father. And we need our mantles. You need your mantle. I want you to look at three people right now and tell them, you need your mantle. You need your mantle. And I want to ask you this question. As I end, as I come to a close, what stops you from picking up your mantle? What's, what's stopping you this morning? What's stopping you? Is it, Pastor, I, 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 I'm fearful of failing God and missing the mark. We all miss God. We all, we all fail. We all miss the mark. This is a great classroom. Life, living life is actually a classroom experience. Living life with Jesus on this earth is the dress rehearsal for when we get to heaven. How many of you know when they do dress rehearsals, there's mistakes. They forget their lines. They forget to dance the right way. They forget this. They forget that. What stops you from picking up your mantle? Is it an inferiority complex that you have today? Is it, well, I'm not educated enough, pastor, or actually I'm just way too educated, you know, too sophisticated, and all of this is way, way beneath me, pastor. What is it that stops you from wearing your mantle? Is it rejection? Have you been rejected? Is it abandonment that you feel like God's abandoned you? Or maybe you're saying, you know what? I'm not holy enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not good enough. I want to ask you this morning, what stops you from picking up your mantle? Well, maybe I've been disappointed. Maybe the church has disappointed you. The church gets blamed for, for a lot of things. Or is it because of COVID-19 issues? And that's stopping me from getting, picking up my mantle. Let me tell you, when Elijah was with Elijah, he said, ask, what, what do you want from me? What do you want? What do you want from God? What do you want God to do? What miracle do you need? What do you need from God? Elijah said, I need a double portion of that spirit. And Elijah said, it's a hard thing. Education is not going to give it to you. Becoming eloquent and speaking is not going to do it for you. But if you see me when I'm taken up, hey, it's yours. In other words, Elisha, it's a hard thing. Without the mantle, it's a hard thing. With the mantle, it's an easy thing. If you can pick up the mantle, what you've asked me will become easy. And it's amazing. The mantle falls. He picks up the mantle. He says, where is the God of Elijah? Elijah. And immediately he strikes the river, the Jordan, and it's split in two. That's his first miracle. When you read the account of Elisha, he did exactly twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Why? Because he picked up his mantle. 
he picked up his mantle. Or maybe you say, Pastor, the things that's stopping me this morning from picking up that mantle, you said it's a glorious thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a magnificent thing. The thing that's stopping me is sin. I'm glad that's stopping you this morning. But it needn't stop you anymore. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm so glad this morning that Jesus didn't come to earth with a mask and disinfectant and booties and all kinds of stuff. He came for the sinners. He came for those that were rejected. He came for those who were, you know, had fallen away from God. And today, Jesus is walking up and down the aisles. He's coming into homes, into living rooms. He's there in the conference center. He's here in the family life center, wherever you might be. And He's ready to remove that sin, to receive you, to forgive you, to cleanse you. That's the Jesus we serve. You say, Pastor, my life's not right. And really, if I would be honest with me, with myself, the thing that's really stopping me from picking up this mantle that you said, I have a tailor-made mantle. Wow, I didn't know that. The thing that's stopping me is the sin. And as a result of the sin, the guilt, shame, embarrassment, and condemnation. But today, Jesus wants to break that condemnation from off your life. And the only thing that you need to do, very simple, is just simply come as you are and surrender your life to Him. Just give Him your heart. Give Him your life. Simple. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's just a surrendering. Acknowledging that you were a sinner. And as a sinner, you're coming as you are to this wonderful person who in no ways will cast you out. And you can give him your heart. Let him fix up your heart. Let him fix up your life. Let him remove that sin. Because only Jesus can do that. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Those of you here in the conference center, maybe you're watching by way of Facebook, YouTube, whatever social media platform, would you say this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. Just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin. And I ask you for forgiveness. Today, I give you my life, my heart, my everything. With my heart, I believe. And with my mouth, I confess that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you for loving me, taking me the way that I am, receiving me today as your child right now. I'm born again. I'm your child. I belong to the family of God. And I will pick up my mantle, my tailor-made mantle, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer here in the Family Life Center or in the conference center, would you just raise your hand just so that somebody can come and pray with you? If you prayed that prayer this morning, just lift up your hand. In the conference center, somebody will come. If you prayed that prayer online, just let us know. Hey, I prayed that prayer. And uh, 
We just want to stand in agreement with you, all right? We'll just stand up, everybody, in this place. Just before we close, let's pray right now. Father, I want to thank you for your word that's come to us. God, I pray today, oh, let there be a boldness even as we rise up to pick up that mantle that has fallen on us. God, I thank you for every tailor-made mantle that wraps around our lives, our ministries, our marriages, our businesses, everything pertaining to us. It's a mantle that fits our giftings and our talents and our personalities and our characteristics. And I thank you today, God, that there is a dawning of a new day as we realize, God, oh, that you have gifted us to do what you have called us to do. And you have called us to do what you have gifted us to do. I pray today that we would go from this place in boldness, in the power, and in the authority of that mantle. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Family, we love you. Love those of you that were joining us by way of live stream. Let's put our hands together as we say goodbye to all of you. All right? God bless you.